The following message entitled, Open the Eyes of Our Hearts, Part 2 of the series, United, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 17th of July, 2011, at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. We are in a series that we have called United. And the title of this message this morning is United, Open the Eyes of Our Hearts. The reason we're calling this series United, it's from the book of Ephesians. We're going through Ephesians. And two of the main themes in the book of Ephesians are God's plan to unite the whole creation in harmony in Christ and His plan to unite people from all nations to Himself and to each other in His church. And last week, Stephen preached on the opening verses of Ephesians 1, which describes some of the blessings God has poured out on us in Christ. And Stephen said, trying to grasp all the blessings that God has showered on us who believe is like trying to drink from a fire hose. And so in this first, first section that he preached on last week, it was that this overwhelming fire hose of blessings. God chose us in Christ in eternity past. He predestined us for adoption with all the rights of sons. He redeemed us. He forgave us. He lavished grace on us. He revealed His plan to unite all things in Christ to us. He gave us an inheritance. He sealed us in the Holy Spirit. The blessings just come like wave after wave after wave. And it's, it's so amazing the amount of blessings that we have received. We can't even really fathom all God has done for us. And we need Him to open our eyes to show us all we have in Christ. And that's one of the things we're going to look at this morning, that Paul prays that God would open their eyes to know all they have in Christ. It's, it's kind of like this. This, is just a, this would be just a very faint, 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 faint illustration of this. We have this incredible new soundboard. It has so many features that most human beings don't even know what we really have. We, and most of you in this church, including myself, I have no idea what this thing can do. I think it can fly. I'm not exactly sure. Greg King may be the only one in our church who really knows what this soundboard can do. And I'm not even sure Greg even knows all it can do. But it, you, you should have gotten to sit in on some of the meetings when they were planning this building. I got to sit in on a couple of meetings with the sound guys and with Greg in particular talking to guys from sound companies about the soundboard. And uh, Greg would say something like this. He said, now... Uh, are these speakers the PVX210s with the overhead cam and the flux capacitors? And the company rep would say, no, these are the PVX211s with the statcom overlay filters. And uh, I'd be sitting there thinking, these guys are speaking a foreign language and they know what they're talking about. And they would go back and forth like this with all this technical jargon. And I'd just be thinking, "Does can you hear? Can Will it magnify my voice? <laughs> That's the kind of questions I would be having. Can you hear in the back of the room? 
But see, we we don't even know all that this thing can do. And so the company sent a representative when we first got this. And the representative spent a full day or maybe more training our sound guys. He had to show them. He had to kind of open their eyes as to all we have in this system. Otherwise, we'd never even know all we have in this soundboard. Well, that's that's a very faint illustration, but it's like that for us who believe in Jesus Christ. We have so many incredible blessings in Him, we can't even fathom it. And we need God to open our eyes and reveal through His Word and by His Spirit the riches, the blessings we have in Jesus And in in this morning's passage, Paul, who wrote Ephesians, tells his listeners that he regularly prays for them to ask God. He asks God to open their eyes to all the riches and blessings they have in Jesus Christ. So let's look at Ephesians 1, verse 15 through 23. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know What is the hope to which He has called you? What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him His head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank You that You have opened so many of our eyes to know You and see You and understand what You did on the cross for us. And this morning we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit You would open our eyes more to see the blessings we have in You, Jesus. Father, we ask that You would open blind eyes this morning to see the glory of Jesus and what He's done and the riches in Him. Lord, we confess that if You don't open our eyes, we will never see or understand because You are infinite in Your greatness. But we thank You that though You are an infinitely great God, You reveal Yourself to us. So please do that this morning, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. We who have believed, we who have believed, receive incredible blessings in Christ and we need God to open our eyes to see them. That's what this is all about this morning. That's what Paul is talking about in this passage. After, after he told them all they had received in Christ, that's this fire hose of blessings, this wave upon wave of blessings, 
He says, I pray for you. I thank God for you regularly. And I pray for you that that God will open the eyes of your hearts so that you'll know all that's yours in Jesus. And so the first thing that Paul does is he says, I I thank God. And so we should should look at this as not only Paul telling us what he does, but this is an example for us to imitate. We too should thank God for one another and thank God for what he's done in the lives of our friends and our children, our relatives who know Jesus. And so he says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. For this reason, he says, for this reason, for what reason? Well, when you say for this reason, he's thinking back to everything that he talked about before. For this reason, the reason that God has done so much for you, predestined you, chosen you, lavished grace on you, saved you. For this reason, I give thanks for you all the time. I do not cease to give thanks for you. He thanks God because he says he has heard of their faith and love. Paul has heard of their faith. Paul wrote Ephesians around A.D. 62 from prison in Rome. He had actually spent three years in Ephesus on his third missionary journey. And he is, it's been about four years since he's been there. So Paul is, Paul is always concerned about the churches he has worked in and churches he's been involved in. And so he gets this good news. He's in prison in Rome. It's been four years since he's been in, in Ephesus. He gets this good news that they're following the Lord. They're believing in Jesus. They're obeying Jesus. And they're loving one another. And he's so thankful. And he writes this letter that is to this church in Ephesus and churches around it in Asia Minor. He says, I am so grateful for your faith. Why is he grateful? Joe mentioned this to me this morning. I just think this is so true. He's grateful because saving faith is a gift from God. We can't believe unless Jesus enables us to believe in Him. And so, when someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, they have received this incredible gift. They are born again. It's, it's, it's not like they just joined a club. It's not like I just decided to join the Lions Club or something. When we have faith in Christ, God, it means that God has literally caused us to become new creations, new creatures. We're not the same anymore. We are different. We have a new life. We have been joined to Jesus and all these other blessings. That's what having faith represents. And Paul says, I am so thankful He's done that for you. And I am so thankful that you are still walking in faith in Jesus Christ. Ah, Tonight, tonight we're having a, a water baptism here. What an opportunity for us to come and rejoice that God has given faith to these individuals. We're going to come tonight, we're going to sing a couple songs, we're going to be here to encourage with scriptures or or any encouragement we can for these folks. We're just mainly coming to celebrate with them. We're We're coming tonight to say, Jesus, thank you that you have brought more people into your kingdom. You have brought more people out of death into life. We'll be celebrating for all eternity with them. See, this is why Paul gives thanks And he says, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. 
You know, true faith in Jesus will manifest itself in us loving others. We will love true faith in Jesus results in love that loves all believers without discrimination. People like us, people not like us. People that we wouldn't normally hang out with, people that we would like to hang out with. We love all believers, weak believers, strong believers, struggling believers, sick believers. True faith manifests itself in love. And Paul says, I've heard about your love. I've heard about the way you guys are caring for one another and serving one another and encouraging one another. And I thank God for that. Thank God for your love toward all the saints, not some of the saints, toward all the saints. And I just I just want to tell you guys that Stephen and Joe and I regularly thank God for you. We thank God for you. I thank God for you. I am so grateful for the love that you have towards one another. I'm so grateful. We 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 are privileged in some ways that you're not because we get to hear, I think, more stories of how people care for one another than than all of you do. And and I'm just I just can't believe it at times, the way you serve one another, the way you care for one another. I could give so many illustrations. Heather Rice, probably hate me saying this, embarrassed, but she regularly comes over to my dad's house to paint with him, paint pictures with him, not walls, paint pictures. Comes over and spends time with my dad. Other people do that as well. When, when dad got out of the hospital recently, Tim McKelvey came over and installed equipment in the bathroom and rails and things like that. That's just normal life for you guys. So thankful for this church. So thankful for the way you love one another. Well, we should be, we should be thankful. Thank God for one another. Thank God for the love you see in others. The service you see, the kindness. Thank God for those who serve in children's ministry every week. Thank God for... Everyone who serves in this church. Because that's evidence that we've been born again. God has changed us. Well, we should pray also that God will open our eyes even more. So Paul thanked God that he had, he had initially opened their eyes. And he, he says, I'm going to continue to pray. You know, being, being born again is just the beginning of our Christian life. It doesn't mean that there's nothing happens after that. God continues to change us and make us more and more like Christ. And God continues throughout our Christian lives to reveal more and more and more of the blessings that He's given us. The Christian life is not boring. If you're thinking, oh, maybe I should become a Christian, but it seems like it would be boring. No. The Christian life is one glorious adventure after another. It's hard at times. It's really hard at times. But the more we see of the blessings we have in Jesus, the more wonderful, the more exciting, the greater it is. So we should pray that God will open our eyes more. And so in verse 17, he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Becoming a Christian is not just making some kind of good decision. 
No, the Bible says, Romans chapter 1 says, that our sins darken our hearts. We, before anyone comes to know Jesus Christ, you are, I was, we are stumbling around in the darkness. We may not realize it, but we are spiritually blind. We we can't understand why anyone would like going to church. I could not understand. I could not fathom. Why would you enjoy going to church? That is the most boring thing in the universe. Why do you want to be a Christian? That makes no sense to me. I was blind. And so when we initially are saved, is the word, rescued from our sins, born again by the power of God, by the Holy Spirit, what He does is He opens our eyes. And in 2 Corinthians, God says it's kind of like this. Just as God said in the beginning, let there be light. And light existed. He says it's that way in our hearts. God says, "Let let there be light in His heart. Let there be light in her heart. And suddenly, we can see who Jesus is. Suddenly we are alive to God. Suddenly our eyes are opened. And Paul says, I pray that that continues more and more in your life. It's not just a one-time thing. There's this initial opening of our eyes. But there's, there's many more times throughout our lives. And we should pray and ask God personally, Lord, show me more of your glory. Show me more of who you are. And we should pray for one another and pray for our children and pray for our friends and pray for those in care group. Lord, show us more of your glory. The publisher William Randolph Hearst once read about this extremely valuable piece of art. And he decided he had to get this and add it to his collection. So he got an agent and he said, you scour the galleries of the world and find a masterpiece, this masterpiece, and I'm determined to have it at any price. And after many months of painstaking search, the agent reported that the piece already belonged to Mr. Hurst (laughs) and had been stored in one of his warehouses for many years. See, he didn't even know what he had. It was already his possession and he didn't even know it. And that's the thing about being a believer. We have so much that we don't even know we have. And so Paul says, oh Lord, show them what they already have. (laughs) Show them more and more what's theirs in Jesus. He prayed that the Holy Spirit would give them spiritual wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Lord, reveal Yourself. Let them know You more and more. We can't know anything of God unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. We need God to open the eyes of our hearts. And so Psalm 119.18, the psalmist, he's talking about God's Word in Psalm 119. If you read it, it's all about God's Word. And this is a great prayer to pray when you you open your Bibles in the morning or whenever you have a chance to, to spend time with the Lord in His Word. This is what the psalmist prayed. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I I say that prayer regularly. Before I read my Bible in the morning, I say, Lord, please open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. 
God wants to reveal himself. He loves to reveal himself. But we, we should ask him for that. And so Paul prays that. Pray for your children that God will open their eyes to see his glory. Pray for this church that the Holy Spirit will reveal more and more of Jesus to us. Pray that God would open more and more blind eyes in this area and add them to churches that are preaching the gospel. Pray, please pray for us, pastors, me and Joe and Stephen. Please pray for us that God will open our eyes as we're studying the word and that God will open the eyes of this church as we preach. Because we could have the, the most outstanding preparation, the most incredible message, and if the Holy Spirit didn't open our eyes, nothing would happen. So please pray. For us. And Paul mentions three things in particular that we really need to see, that he prays that God will show them on a regular basis. There's three things God's plan, God's inheritance, and God's power. Christians need to see these things. We need to see God's plan, God's inheritance, and God's power. First of all, we need to see God's plan. If we if we, the reason we need to see these things is because we live in what's, what Bible teachers, Bible scholars say, we live in the already but not yet. The already but not yet. Believers live in the already but not yet. The kingdom of God has already been initiated, inaugurated by Jesus Christ. So, so we, when you come to know Jesus Christ, you're, you're born again and you come into the kingdom of God, but we aren't there where it's going to be fully consummated in the end yet. And so we go through this life growing, becoming more like Jesus, battling spiritual battles, trying to learn how to put sin to death, becoming more like Jesus Christ, obeying Him. So we need these encouragements. We need to see these three things. First of all, we need to see God's plan. And so he says, I pray that God will open your eyes that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. I've said, I said this a few weeks ago, but if we have hope, we can endure almost anything. If you have hope, you can get through hard things. And so Paul says, I pray that you'll know the hope that God has called you to. God has called us to a great hope. What is our great hope? What is it? It's so sad that so many preachers say, here's, here's your hope. It's having health and wealth and riches in, in this life. That's not our hope. Here's our hope. First John chapter 3 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. So here is our hope. Jesus is going to appear. He is coming back a second time. And when He does, all who have believed in Him Everyone who has put their trust in Jesus to save them from their sins because He shed His blood on the cross for them. Everyone who has turned to Jesus Christ with all their hearts 
Here's our hope. When He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. We shall be like Him. That doesn't mean we're going to be God. But it means that we will be transformed completely. We will be free from sin. We will love Jesus and others perfectly. We'll be clothed with the glory of Jesus. We'll have new immortal bodies. Can't experience any pain. We'll be totally free from all temptation. We'll be filled with joy and gladness like we have never imagined or experienced in our lives. And we will see Him as He is. You know, C.S. Lewis says that we are going to be so transformed in our heavenly bodies that if we saw someone now in this lifetime transform the way that we are going to be, we would be tempted to worship them. Paul says, the Apostle Paul says that our new glorious heavenly bodies are going to be as different from these bodies as an oak tree is from an acorn. Can you imagine if you had never seen a tree in your entire life? No trees, ever. Just imagine that if you possibly can. I've never seen a tree in my life. And somebody shows you an acorn and says, This is going to be incredible. This thing is going to spread out. This thing's going to have thousands upon thousands of leaves. It's going to cast shade. It's going to be just amazing to look at. You'd say, This thing? Well, that we will be like Jesus. And we can't even fathom what that's going to be like. That's our hope. And our hope is to see Jesus as He is in the Old Testament. Even the, even the highest heavenly beings, the seraphim, it says in the book of Isaiah, the seraphim, these, these heavenly beings that we can't even imagine have to cover their faces with one set of their wings because they cannot look directly upon the glory of God. When Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. God said, Moses, you can't look directly on my glory. I'll put you, I'll put you in a cleft of a rock. I'll cover you up. You can maybe look at my backside as I pass, but you cannot look directly on my glory because it is too much for you. You would be obliterated by my glory. Well, what is so incredible is we will gaze upon Jesus's glorious face eye to eye, face to face, we will get the privilege of doing what the the highest angels in heaven can't do. And it won't destroy us. It will ravish us. It will ravish us. And we will will praise God for 10,000 years. And then Jesus will say, oh yeah, you think that was good? Look at this. And he'll, and, and he'll show us just one glimpse more of his beauty and it will ravish us for another 10,000 years. And that will be our experience for all eternity. That is our hope. That is our hope. That's the hope of our calling. Now there's so much more that is involved in the hope of our calling. Eternal life. Enjoying the riches of God's grace from age to age with our fellow believers. Eternal joy, eternal rest in a new heaven and a new earth that's free from all sin. The Bible talks a lot about our glorious hope. But it's primarily seeing Jesus and being like Him. 
Oh, Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Show us the hope of our calling. See, if you have that hope, if you have that hope, you can get through stuff, can't you? That's how my, that's how my dad recently, as he was in Shadyside Hospital, really suffering a lot of pain, you know, he, he had this hope. He was, despite his suffering, dad was still cheerful. How could my dad be cheerful when he was in such misery? Because he has a hope of seeing Jesus face to face, of someday not having to battle this body. <laughs> Lots of us probably look forward to that. If not now, I'm sure we all will. But we also need to see, in addition to God's plan, we need to see God's inheritance. So he says in verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Well, at first, at first glance, we might think Paul is praying that we'll know the riches that we have in Christ. But he says, he says, no, I'm praying that you know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. God's inheritance in the saints. What does that mean? I mean, I can understand the Bible says that Christians are joint heirs with Christ. And the Bible says that we have an inheritance. But how, what does it mean when Paul says, I pray that you might know the riches of God's inheritance in the saints. What does that mean? Well, this is hard to fathom. But we who have believed are God's riches. You may say, what? Why? We're nothing. Why would God want us? We have no value to Him. Why? How could we be God's inheritance? How could we be God's riches? Because, remember the hope of our calling? That we will be like Christ? God sees us in Christ. And He is making us like Christ. And when Jesus Christ comes back, we will be completely like Christ. And God takes such joy and such pleasure and such delight and such satisfaction. And He is just so blessed when He looks on Christ. That's how He feels about us who have believed. And when Jesus comes back and we're all completely transformed into the likeness of Christ, it'll be like God will say, look at my riches all over the earth. All throughout the ages, the believers, look at all these Christ-like ones. Everyone will reflect the glory of Christ in some unique and different way. And so the believers, believers are God's riches. And so we have great value to Him, not because of anything in ourselves, because we all know what sinners we are. We all know what losers we are. We all know that we're nothing. But because God places believers in Jesus Christ, when He looks upon Jesus, He looks upon us. He sees us. When He looks upon us, He sees Jesus. And He takes great pleasure in that. He says, this is my riches. And so, if you think about this, this is an encouragement. God's going to protect His riches. God's going to look out for His inheritance. God's going to say, I'm going to make sure 
that I supply them all they need. I'm going to make sure that I work in their lives. I'm never going to leave them or forsake them. These are my riches. I watched this old movie lately, recently, and the guy was calling his children my beauties. He was saying, these are my beauties. I think that's what God must call us. These are my beauties. Look at my beauties. Look at my children. Look at my riches in Christ, my son. So that that should give us hope. We have value to God. He's going to protect us. He's going to provide for us. So we, what hope we have to get through this life. And we, the last thing, the third thing we need to see, we need to see God's, God's plan, we need to see God's riches, and we need to see God's power. And so in verse 19 through 23, he says, and I pray this for you too, that your eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that you'll see the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Wow. He's saying this. Here is the power that is available to you. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the power that seated Him above every name that can be named. Only God's power is stronger than death. Did you ever think about that? What in the whole universe can resist death and overcome death? Most powerful kings, the most brilliant intellectuals die. Even the stars in heaven die. They may last millions of years, but they eventually burn out and die. Only God's power could raise Jesus from death. The, the power of... If, if, as Jesus was laying in the grave, dead, after He died on the cross, if God had said to all the angels in heaven, the multitudes of the angels in heaven, all you angels, go down and raise Him from the dead all of the thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of angels in heaven could not have raised Jesus from the dead. Only the power of God could raise Jesus from the dead. And that's, that's the power that God says is available and is at work in every Christian's life. The very power that raised Jesus from the dead. And not only did it raise Him from the dead, it seated Him far above every other power, every other angel, every demon, every ruler. That's the power at work in your life if you believed in Jesus. This isn't just the power of positive thinking. This is not just us kind of, you know, learning how to improve ourselves. This is the infinite power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him above every other power. Now the Ephesians, the Ephesians lived in a culture where there were many gods that had to be feared and appeased. And Acts chapter, Acts 19 talks about how when Paul was in Ephesus, working miracles, preaching the Gospel, that the tradesmen who made a living making statues of the god Artemis caused a riot because so many people were turning away from idol worship. 
people, people in that culture, their idols were a, a big thing. We, we don't appreciate it. But these people in that culture lived in fear of different gods. And Paul says, you don't have to fear that. You don't have to fear any demon. You don't have to fear any, any false god. You don't have to fear any idol. You don't have to fear, fear Artemis. You don't have to fear Satan. Because there's a power that is at work in your life that lifted Jesus above all those names. You know, we're, we're in a war against powers far greater than us. The Bible says we battle the devil. Later on in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says you don't fight against flesh and blood. You fight against demons, demonic, cosmic powers. If we were to try to take those powers on by ourselves, we, we, we should be very much afraid. We would be no match for them. I, I, I can remember even as a young believer... I didn't understand this. I read a couple of books. I, I thought demons were everywhere. I thought I had demons under my pillow. I, I, I was very scared. I didn't understand this. And I was talking to Joe. And Joe said that's the way he was when he was first a Christian. I can remember Joe lived with us for a while with our family. And I can remember Joe. Joe was terrified. He thought there were demons in his bedroom. And... Uh, he, he thought there were demons at, at night coming after him. And, and, and Joe didn't realize, and I didn't realize as a young believer, the incredible, awesome, infinite power that is at work in our lives as believers. We don't have to fear demons because the name of Jesus sends them flying in fear. We have a power at work in our life that is, has exalted the power that exalted Jesus above, far above every power that exists. Are you feeling hopeful this morning? I hope so. Because this is intended to give us hope. And we should pray this for one another. We should pray, Lord, reveal more of your power to my brothers and sisters. Lord, reveal more of the hope of our calling to them. Reveal more of their value to you as part of God's inheritance. And the, the final statement is just mind-boggling here. He says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's an amazing statement. God has placed Jesus as head over all things for the sake of the church. He gave him his head over all things to the church. To God's people. So Jesus is exercising His rule as Lord of Lords and King of Kings on behalf of us. On behalf of every believer in the world. Jesus is causing all of history, all things, good and bad, all governments, all movements of people, all events in the world. He is ruling over all things. He's ruling over bad people, good people. He's ruling over all things 
for the sake of his church. I, that, that just is mind-boggling. And it says the church is his body. He's the head of all things, and he's also the head of his church, which is his body. In other words, we are so connected to Jesus. We are organically connected to Jesus. It is not like we just signed up for a club. We are actually joined to Christ when we come to him in faith. And, and as part of his body, he cares for us and works all things for us. And he fills his church. It says His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. And that means that Jesus fills this whole universe. His presence is everywhere. But the church is a unique place that Jesus fills in a unique way. The presence of Jesus is in His church in a unique way. And that takes us all the way back to one more reason to love one another. It's because you are all temples of the Holy Spirit. You who have believed in Jesus. He fills you in a unique way. He fills our church. He fills every church in this town that is preaching the gospel in a unique way. He loves His church so much. So let me ask you this. Do you have hope this morning? Do you have joy in Christ? Are you weary in the battle? Do you know what? Christian brother or sister who needs joy, who needs hope, pray for them. Pray. Ask God to open the eyes of your heart. Those of you who have never turned to Jesus, you're hearing things about Him from me. And you're saying, wow, I, you know, I don't understand this stuff. But I, I, I'd like to know more about God. I'd like, I'd like to know more. Pray. Ask Him. Say this prayer. Jesus, open the eyes of my heart. Show me who You are. Help me to believe in you. Give me faith. Give me the gift of faith. Pray. Jesus wants us to pray. James says you have not because you ask not. Pray. Lord, show me more of your glory this week. As you're driving to work tomorrow morning or as you're going about your chores, whatever it may be, say, Jesus, show me more of your glory today. Open the eyes of my heart. We sing this song. I'd like the band to come up. We sing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Open the eyes of my heart. Let's stand and let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this church. Thank you. Thank you for the faith you've given us. Thank you for the love this church manifests toward one another. Thank you. Thank you for all you have given us in Jesus, Father. We can barely comprehend it, but we thank you. And we ask, open our eyes, Lord, to see more of your glory. Lord, I pray for those who are weak and discouraged and going through hard times. Give them hope that they will see Your face and be like You. Let them know that You have made them part of Your glorious inheritance. Oh Lord, let them know Your awesome power 
toward them that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him on high. Lord, we, we, we desire these things and we ask them in Jesus' name. And thank you, Lord, that you love us so much. Amen.